up to? We're up to page 182, and we're continuing with the with the Eidot, with the idea of these symbolic observances that are intended to help us develop a deeper understanding, deeper appreciation, and through engaging in a physical activity that is meant to be symbolic of the mental changes that are supposed to occur, that helps imprint it upon our soul. So we're at the bottom, the second to bottom uh, paragraph. Wise use, of, wise use of possessions, neither to be worshiped nor to be despised, is demonstrated by the lulav, the palm branch, by the sukkah, right, the booth that we go into, and in relation to the soil of Eretz Yisrael, by maisrot, the tithing. This is a very important point, the wise use of, use of possessions. A, you don't get too caught up in your material pursuits, but B, you recognize that it is important to have the ability to support yourself, and you recognize the importance of having some material possessions, right? Now, how are they demonstrated by the lulav? So the lulav and the sukkah are actually very much working in tandem. I, I, the Rev Hirsch often, his basis is uh, the Sefer HaChinuch in terms of his understanding of what we call the reasoning behind the mitzvah. The lulav, the Sefer HaChinuch tells us, we take the four species during the harvest season. Now, typically during the harvest season, almost all ancient civilizations developed a festival, right? They always had a harvest festival. And at that harvest festival, they would gather around and come together with their friends and family and celebrate and rejoice in their bounty. What the Torah is trying to do is it's trying to elevate that simcha, the natural state of joy that we are in when we have been able to get the fruits of our labor over an entire year's worth of work. And everyone is joyous. And the Torah directs it <coughs> towards Hashem by directing us to actually celebrate as a holiday towards Hashem and to take of the most beautiful and uh, as a cross section of the harvest and to use that in our service of Hashem. So that means is that we're recognizing that we have gotten this material bounty and everything that we've been working on is now ours and we brought it home, right? We finally harvested it, but we're going to direct a portion of it and through directing a portion of it to the service of God that helps us retain the sense that really it is all for the service of God. The sukkah, right, the food that we go into is representative of the time that we spent in the desert when all of our material needs were met by God and we did not need to do anything to create our own sustenance. So that's also representative of explaining to us that keep uh, your eyes on the prize and don't get confused and think that the purpose of life is to accrue material needs. Now, in the soil of Eretz Israel, in the soil of the land of Israel, we have a concept called trumot and maisrot, right? Trumot and maisrot means that their portion of the agriculture will be given to the Levite and to the priest, right? And then sometimes to the poor people, depending on the cycle, and sometimes to be brought up to Jerusalem to be eaten in Jerusalem together with your friends and family. So that means is before you take any for yourself, you have to take a tithe and give to other people. Well, that's the greatest way to remember the bounty that you receive is not just due to your hard work and all of your efforts, but it is also due to the fact that God gave you this present. And through that remembrance, right when we begin to bring that food into our house and before we even eat some for ourselves, it really helps keep us grounded and help us recognize what things are, what we have in this world, what we're supposed to use it for. Finally, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the shofar and Rosh Chodesh, the new moon, 
teach us self-scrutiny, guided by the thought that God is our king, our judge, and our father. They lead us to recognition and acknowledgement of the fact that we forfeit our claim to life and existence if we do not raise ourselves anew to a, pure, a purer future. What he means is like this. We have Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur coming once a year, right? We have Rosh Chodesh coming 12 times a year. Rosh Hashanah is the day in which we crown God our king. It's the day in which God first became a king. It's the day in which he created his first subjects, Adam and Eve. Each and every year when we get to Rosh Hashanah, we are engaged in a process of crowning God our king anew. And when we do that, that is helping us remember what the relationship should be between us and God. Yom Kippur is that day in which we can achieve atonement. We can wipe the slate clean and start all over again. But through this periodic observance and remembering that it is possible to wipe the slate clean and to start all over again, that helps us remember and keep our eye on the prize again. We need to keep our slate clean because of the purpose of life, because of what we're really here for. What's our mission? Now, Rosh Chodesh, as a new moon, it is a cycle that is meant to have us thinking to ourselves as the cycle goes and as the moon starts waxing and the moon starts waning, it is symbolic of the Jewish people, right? The commentators all suggest that the moon waxing and waning is symbolic of the Jewish people. When things are going well for us, that's when the moon is getting larger. And then sometimes we go down and, but we know that the moon will come back again at the end of the next month, right? So what we're essentially, yeah, I guess at the beginning, whichever way you want to call it, the beginning of the next month, so what we're, what we're suggesting is that no matter what goes on through the exile, there is always going to be a future. But this idea of recognizing that things are happening and that there is a cycle, that helps us remember that Hashem is the God, Hashem is our judge, Hashem is our father. Um, let's look at this footnote that's actually from Rav Hirsch himself. In delineating the mitzvot, particularly the Edot and Avodah, in such an extremely abridged form, I have to assume that you are familiar with the outward aspects of the mitzvot, partly from practicing them and partly from your former occupation with the Tanakh and the Gemara. Now, I want to speak something out over here, an important point. So on our WhatsApp chat, what we've been discussing is Jonathan um, uploaded or posted a, um, a really fascinating article, an essay by a woman who is talking about what Rev Hirsch's 19 letters has done for her. And talking about how the concept of Tikkun Olam, how it's a perversion of what the true purpose of life is. And she says it in a really, really great writer. You know, she really said it beautifully. And one point that people on the chat made, which I think is a very cogent point, that it is far easier for someone who has a background in Judaism and does the mitzvot and has a sense of what Gemara is and has a sense of why we do the things that we do, but perhaps not a deep understanding, not very well grounded, and is looking at the enticing outside world and can be then convinced to not stray from the path when you read this book. In other words, if you have a deeper set of knowledge and background in Judaism, it is easier to understand what Refersh is writing. And he says that every year himself. He says he's talking to a practicing Jew or perhaps a lapsed Jew, but a Jew who did practice, a Jew who knew what was going on beforehand. And that is far easier to get some of the concepts. So over here, for example, he really is cutting short exactly what he's talking about. I'm trying to fill in the blanks, but it's important to recognize that sometimes it can be a little difficult to get exactly what he's saying just from the words. Even so, you may find it difficult to categorize them according to the concepts outlined here. 
In fact, it is not my intention here to provide a detailed explanation. I am giving you the categories into which the various mitzvot can be grouped as labels on containers, so to speak, with the purpose for one thing, of awakening you the desire to become thoroughly acquainted with their contents, and for another, to supply you with the data needed to confront yourself with the question. Now, what if this really were the meaning of the mitzvot? So there's a twofold purpose in speaking in these generalities and not getting into too much of the specifics. First of all, to pique your interest, to pique your interest in saying, hey, maybe I should delve deeper. Maybe I should get a deeper understanding and see what this is really all about. And second of all, he's trying to engage in a paradigm shift. He is trying to convince this individual, as we read at the beginning, that his understanding and perspective of what Judaism is and how it has failed is indeed based on a flawed premise. And to change that premise, well, a big part of that is to help him understand what the purposes of the mitzvot are. So as long as he can give a little bit of a basic beer bones understanding, he's already starting to win the battle. And then they could talk about the long-term war of going through the entire framework and all of the structure, and then convincingly make the argument that there is a purpose. And based on that purpose and sense of mission, Judaism is passing with flying colors. The proof that it is indeed so, I shall have to reserve so many other things for the future, which I imagine is a reference to Chorev, right? The book in which he delves in the, in the minutia and all the details of every single mitzvah. Okay. Once again, thanks a lot, everyone, for, for sponsoring. I really appreciate it. And take care, guys. Do well. Good night. See you tomorrow night. Bezrat Hashem.